you are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Get your week off on the right foot. It's the Locked On NFL Podcast. I'm your Monday host, Bo Brock, daily host of Locked On Cardinals. Check us out on a daily basis. Subscribe, rate us, review us. Today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20. It's LOCKEDON20 now. One word, LOCKEDON20, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Have you tried the new real cookie dough Built Bar? It's unreal. If you haven't tried it, you're not living Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNFLPods. Follow me, Bo Brock, at Bob Brack, B-O-B-R-A-C-K. I'm proud of the podcast we have for you today. Which prospect is the most polarizing of the 2021 NFL Draft? Trevor Sikama of the Draft Network, Locked On NFL Draft, joins us on a Mock Draft Monday to answer that question. Plus, Is the relationship between Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks fractured beyond repair? Corbin Smith, locked on Seahawks, tries to separate fact from fiction after the rumor mill kind of got out of control last week. And then I want your help kind of deciding which teams from 2020, which top teams from last season are going to go from the penthouse to the outhouse? Which playoff teams will have the wheels fall off in 2021, 2021's versions of the Texans, Eagles, and Niners. It's trendy to predict which teams that finish below 500 can make the giant leap from a pretender to a contender in just an offseason's time. I mean, we saw just in 2020 alone, it was Tampa, Indy, and Cleveland, all sub-500, losing records in 2019, and all of them find double-digit victories in 2020. The Bucks, of course, going from 7-9 and nine to hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. But I want to do the opposite. I want to identify which teams are going to go from the NFL penthouse to the NFL outhouse. Stinky place. A team from the NFC and a team from the AFC to fall from grace in 2021. It happened in San Francisco. Everybody believed that the Niners were bulletproof and nobody was going to slow them down after their Super Bowl appearance in the 2019 season. Houston, Philly from 19 to 20, also uh, just brutal campaigns. Each organization endured double-digit losses and fired their head coach. Another pretty quiet weekend for the NFL as we impatiently wait for the offseason to really begin. March 15th, you've got kind of your legal tampering time. And then March 17th, free agency officially opens. Did you see where Josh Gordon is going to play football again? The embattled wide receiver who hasn't been reinstated by the NFL. He's going to join the new fan-controlled football league and Gordon... Despite the NFL loosening up its policies on marijuana, hasn't been reinstated. And he's joining his former Cleveland Browns teammate, Johnny Manziel, who's, I guess, the face of this new league. It plays every Saturday, and it's the first sports league, according to them, controlled by the fans. They can control starting lineups and the plays that are called in, and they're all played at one state, they're all played at an arena in Duluth, Georgia broadcast on Twitch and something called VENN. Uh, I'm not aware I don't know what this is because I'm old, but we won't get to see the Browns connection link back up anytime soon. Their team, the FCF Zappers, which is their real name, which is a worse team name than even the Washington football team that won't have a name until 2022. The Zappers, their uniform's not much better than their mascot. 
Looks like they were designed by Nickelodeon. But we won't see this ex-Browns connection link back up because Gordon isn't expected to play right away and also Johnny Manziel is missing the next game, not because of injury, but uh, because the quarterback is having dental surgery. The games are played on Saturday, but Johnny Manziel is the only person in America that has his dentist work done on the weekend. I don't know if it's a root canal. I don't know if it's just like a standard filling. I don't know if it's maybe something more serious, like his uh, wisdom teeth are being removed. But uh, Johnny Football is Johnny Dental Hygiene. He's out having dental surgery, which is also what most football fans would rather do than watch this fan-controlled football league. I feel safe poking fun because I don't really believe, I don't know if we have a locked-on fan-controlled football podcast coming your way anytime soon. 59 days until the NFL draft. Our guy, senior NFL writer, the Draft Network, Trevor Sikama. Must follow, must read, must listen to at Tampa Trey on Twitter. Of course, Locked On NFL Draft here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And today, he's your mock draft Monday drafter on the TDN, the Draft Network. That was redundant on my part, Trevor. I apologize. But, uh, you know, I can't wait to get into this conversation. Thanks for joining us. Man, I've uh, one. It's it's awesome to be with you. I really appreciate you having me on too. Trust me, I wouldn't have noticed. I've been I've been swirling my head so much with prospects and mock drafts and podcasts and all that. I just I just heard it as a double compliment. So that's all I heard, man. I appreciate it. No, absolutely. I mean, you're just uh, churning out content on an hourly basis. It seems like, and uh, your most recent <laughs> mock draft, the most recent since December, you keep the people waiting, and yep. uh, you know there's. There might be some pressure in that, but uh, I'm, I'm looking at just an absolute blast of a draft class. And, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a draft nerd myself, so it, I, I get uber excited about it. But when you look at this class, do you, do you see anybody that stands out to you as maybe the most polarizing prospect as far as some boards he's going top five, top ten, and then some guys he's, yeah. he's barely staying in the first round? Well, I don't know if it's that far, but certainly when you look at talk recently, Justin Fields is a big one. And I know we're going to we're going to dive into some quarterbacks here with what we talk about on this pod. But, you know, Fields, I got to start with him just because some people view him as QB2. And look, if you're if you're QB2, you're probably going number two overall to the New York Jets and other people view him as a QB four, you know, maybe having some reservations about how well he sees the field, how we, how well he processes things, all that kinds of stuff. And, you know, at that point you could talk about a, a guy going top 15, but going top 15 is a lot different than going number two overall. And so I think that that's certainly anytime you're talking about quarterbacks, when that's on the table, that makes for a polarizing prospect. A couple other ones. I mean, Jason Noah, the pass rusher from Penn state, everybody talks about, how big of a freak this guy is athletically, everything that he could do. And there's sometimes you pop on the tape and you just go, what? Like a dude's that big should not be able to move that well or, or have that kind of flexibility. And Jason Noah shows it, but no sacks this year, none. Hmm. And you know, look, I'm certainly not somebody saying here, the stats are everything, but none, you know, like that's, that is something that pops out to you just as much as the freakish athletic ability pops out to you on the tape. You trust what you see. You trust those attributes that you watch, but you still got to have production. You got to be able to finish. That's part of you refining who you are as a prospect. And, you know, you don't uh, expect these guys to be perfect at what they're all capable of when they're coming into the NFL. But uh, it was just a weird, weird year to see not a lot of production for as much hype as Jason Noah was getting. Uh, Landon Dickerson, that's mm-hmm. another big one. Interior offensive lineman from Alabama. He's been a couple of different places. 
you love him. And I know a lot of people love him when he's on the field. Problem is he hasn't been on the field as much as you wanted to. Out of the five seasons he's played college football, four of them ended with season-ending injuries. Two of them are ACL tears. And so, man, I think that he's a top 32 prospect for sure without the medicals. And then you wonder where he going. Is he a fringe first rounder? Do you have him in the first round because of the tape? Are you not touching him till day three because of the medicals? All that goes into it. And then the final one, of course, I had to talk about him. Wide receiver Devontae Smith, mm-hmm. right? Heisman winner. Unbelievable college career. And it just seemed like week after week, no matter who the defense was, he was putting on a show. And he was embarrassing defensive backs in a variety of different ways. But of course, six feet tall, 165 pounds. I mean, like they just don't have similar profiles to Devontae Smith when it comes to successful wide receivers in the NFL. It doesn't really exist. The only one who we really saw was Deshaun Jackson. Of course, Deshaun wasn't a first-round pick, and what he did on the football field was much more of a vertical projection than the all-around wide receiver you want Smith to be if you're drafting him in the top 15. So those are a handful of guys that kind of come to mind when I when talk about, hey, they could really go anywhere in a variety of different spots. I want to get more into the quarterback class because you mentioned Justin Fields, and look at the other guys in this quarterback class and Trey Lance. Mac Jones, maybe, because people are intrigued as far as, you know, they were saying his floor could be as is, is low as eight, which is crazy, and he could be a top 15 pick himself. Yeah. Um, but Trey Lance, there's just not a lot of talk around him. What, what are your thoughts on the North Dakota State quarterback? I really like Trey Lance, and when you watch his film – I think the important thing to remember is you're going to see parts that you don't like. And I think the biggest part is with touch and accuracy. And, and I think that a lot of that, at least at least uh, the accuracy on throws where he's kind of given it is all, some of that can be remedied by repetition. You know, you get more things under your belt. You have a different kind of throwing motion. It stays a little bit more compact. You have a little bit of control of, of what you're doing. And I think that that can improve. Touch, that's a little bit different of a conversation. That's a little bit more natural. And so that I am worried about. But When you watch him, you got to remember this too. You're watching the tape of him when he's 18, 19 years old. This isn't a 22-year-old senior quarterback who's had four years in a college program, maybe five years in a redshirt year. This guy's an 18 or 19-year-old on the tape that a lot of us are watching from 2018, 2019. Of course, he had the one game this year, but I really barely even count that game. You know, it's so hard to get in rhythm for a season and then just play one game. And so you almost want to throw that one out the window. But when you watch him, you just see such a natural arm. I mean, even when it comes to velocity, because we all look at the distance, he's got the rainbow deep ball that he can throw down there 50, 60 yards down the field. He's also got great velocity. You know, when he hits those quick out throws and he plants his foot, he can fire that thing in there. And those are the throws that give you a lot of confidence for him moving forward. He's obviously a Mack truck when he's out in the open field and what he could do with his legs. And so he checks a lot of the boxes that you would want from a modern day quarterback guy with the big arm. He's got, you know, of course he's got the decision-making box checked. He never threw an interception in college. And then, you know, you have, uh, you have the running ability as well. And so I think that certainly when you watch guys like Trevor Lawrence, when you watch a Zach Wilson, and even when you watch Justin Fields, you're going to see things that you consistently like from them a little bit better than Trey Lance. But from what he brings to the profile as such a young starter, I think that that's important. You know, you would want to be watching Trey Lance tape versus like Trevor Lawrence's first year, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I think that that would put a different perspective on everybody's minds who's watching him because I absolutely believe that this is a four quarterback race it's not just a three quarterback race I really do think that it's Lawrence Wilson Fields Lance in some sort of order and I have 
I have franchise tag potential for all four of those guys <laughs> on my scouting sheets when I got done with them. Now, coming into the league, what are they going to be day one? It's a little bit different for every guy. That's where it varies. But in terms of the ceiling, I really do think all four guys, including Trey Lance, can be a franchise-type QB. The quarterbacks are such a huge topic, and, and they take over a lot of the headlines, and and they des- and deservedly so. It's just it's a blast to talk about this class like, like we are. But is there a sneaky draft topic in your opinion that's not getting enough run that should between now and April 29th I'll tell you this I recently just went through a lot of my safe my final evals when it came when it comes to the safety prospects in this class and this safety class it really isn't too bad and I even think that it's good it's even got some guys at the top that I really really like and for the longest time and I think that you know I certainly love that everybody gets in on draft talk earlier and earlier every single year. It's something that I love. Hell, you know, I it's me working in this industry, so I love <laughs> it more in that sense as well. But I think early on in the process, we just deemed this safety class as not a good safety class. And everybody was just like, yeah, it's just a down safety class. And we really didn't revisit it after that. And I'm sitting here going through the film over the last week or so, and I'm like, man, Trayvon Merrick can be a first-round pick as a safety. He's a true cover one center fielder kind of a type, and he can do a lot of things really well. Javon Holland, Hobson is Cyril Dean. Like, I, li- I like a lot of these guys. Or Darius Washington is as a sleeper who could have a high impact as a nickel safety defender. And so I think really this safety class got a bad rap early on. And as I'm going through it now, some final evals that I have on these guys, I'm really not nearly as low on it as what the national narrative seems to be. I think that we've got a lot of really great safeties in this class to go along with, of course, a stacked wide receiver position, some good edge rushers, some good offensive linemen at the top, and a couple of feature running backs as well. You can check out his most recent mock draft since December. Trevor Sikma, thedraftnetwork.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at Tampa Trey, and as well, listening at Locked On NFL Draft, wherever you find podcasts. Trevor, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Bo, always a pleasure, my man. We'll have to do it again before draft weekend. Can't wait, man. You know there's football going on right now. Trey Lance's alma mater, soon to be alma mater, North Dakota State, had its 39-game win streak snapped over the weekend. Southern Illinois, 16-point dogs. They pulled off the win over... The Bison. And if you had money on it, you probably made a pretty good chunk of change. Bet Online is the fastest, easiest way to bet on sports and the only place we trust. The NFL might be over, but you've got some FCS action going on. You've got NBA, college basketballs ramping up towards the tournament. And in the NHL, it's in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place for your bets and free to sign up. Right now, if you head over to the website, betonline.ag, you'll get a free account and also a 50% welcome bonus by using the promo code LOCKED ON on your first deposit. That means if you put it in 100 bucks, you'll get 50 free dollars to play around with. Betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED ON for your welcome bonus. Coming up, Corbin Smith from Locked on Seahawks on whether or not the relationship between Russell Wilson and the Seahawks is fractured beyond repair. It's the Locked on NFL podcast.
If you love Peter Bukowski as the host of Monday's Locked On NFL, you're going to love him even more as the host of Locked On Today. Peter's taking you around all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. The reports ramped up last week and so did the rumor mill. Does Russ really want to cook elsewhere? It's the Locked On NFL podcast, Bo Brock. I'm now joined by our guy Corbin Smith, of course, the host of Locked On Seahawks. He writes about the Seahawks for SI.com as well. He joins us to help separate potential fact from fiction. Corbin, thanks for joining us. No problem, Bo. Looking forward to it. Likewise, the report from The Athletic ramped things up last week, Corbin, and then Adam Schefter heard from Russell Wilson's agent that Russ hasn't requested a trade, but if the Seahawks were to deal him, he wanted to go to these four teams, Chicago, Dallas, Las Vegas, or New Orleans. In your opinion, what does Russell Wilson really want? So I will say this, I've been telling others this the past few days, the first couple weeks of this whole Wilson versus Seahawks saga, the first couple weeks, I was thinking this looks to me like this is really a non-story from everyone that I talked to that is close to Wilson's camp. All the sources that I have indicated, well, he wants to play in Seattle. He doesn't have a foot out the door. He's not trying to force a trade. And, you know, when you go back and you look at the comments that Wilson said in those couple interviews he had after the Super Bowl, yeah, he complained about the pass protection and talked about not wanting to get hit as much. Those were clearly stated. But if you looked at the full quotes, he indicated numerous times that he wanted to be in Seattle. He wanted to play in Seattle forever. It was something he constantly brought up. And so to me, it was a non-story. But I, I think I underestimated and I think a lot of people in Seattle media underestimated what this situation could turn into, especially when you consider, I just thought it was so bizarre the other day that Adam Adam Schefter comes out and says, oh, the agent has contacted me, Mark Rogers, and Russell Wilson hasn't demanded a trade. But, you know, if if they do want to trade him, these are the four teams, and it were four very specific teams. And so clearly, Russell Wilson and his camp have had discussions about this. And so, Where I'm at right now at this point, I still don't see any way that Russell Wilson gets traded before the start of the 2021 season. I think he's a Seahawk in 2021. I think the comments that he made were more of a warning shot Mm -hmm. to the organization than anything else that we need to fix some of this stuff. I need more input on personnel decisions. I want to be more like Tom Brady in that regard. I want to have more involvement in the offensive scheme. They let him pick the coordinator. He was involved in that. And so that is a positive step forward in that regard. And I think that they need to show that they're listening to his comments about the pass protection issues, that we're going to go out and we will be willing to spend some money on quality players to improve that protection in front of Russell Wilson, to show our commitment to our quarterback. And so those are the things that need to be done to mend this relationship. And I think it can still be done, but I think this is also a situation where for the first couple of weeks, I thought this is clearly just smoke. It'll blow by. I think now We've seen some flames. The house might not be on fire yet, but there are some flames there that the Seahawks need to put out. And if they don't, I think next year we could definitely see Russell Wilson on the move. Do you think from Russell Wilson's standpoint, Corbin, that this is necessary? You know, it's it's weird because I could go either side of the argument here Mm -hmm. because – you know, as somebody that covers the Cardinals, and you've seen the Cardinals put pressure on Russell Wilson relentlessly mm-hmm. over the years, and he has had some really bad offensive lines in front of him. So I can understand why he would be coming out publicly and saying he's tired of getting hit as much as he has been. He wants better pass protection. It makes sense. I mean, he's been sacked 
almost 400 times in his career. And a lot of that has been because they've had poor offensive lines. They've tried to put band-aids at different positions like, oh, we're going to give Luke Jokel $8 million, even though Luke Jokel probably isn't worth half a million dollars to play for an NFL team. Moves like that that just didn't make sense and they were failures. And so you can understand where Wilson's coming from from that standpoint. And there have been times like middle last year where they clearly were trying to take the ball out of his hands to an extent because he had a couple bad games. And I think the fact they weren't willing to listen to his suggestions for how to fix the offense really irked him clearly the article indicated he stormed out of there that that is not a development you want with your franchise quarterback on the other hand a lot of those sacks happen because Russell Wilson his playing style he extends plays and he has a tendency to make some incredible things happen when he does that but he also has had a tendency to hold on to the football too long and try to do too much which leads to huge sacks And I thought last year it was especially evident in the second half of the season. He was really gun shy at times, more so than I'd seen any time in his career. And so the offensive line, they were ninth in ESPN's pass block win rate for the season. That that was one of the best offensive lines Russell Wilson's had in front of him. Did they play worse down the stretch? Absolutely. But I think you've got to put some of that blame in the quarterback's hands. You need to do a better job of getting rid of the football And a lot of these hits you're taking won't happen. So I understand where he's coming from, but at the same time, I can understand why the Seahawks would be frustrated because our line was better last year. We have made some investments along the front line and yet second half, you just weren't getting rid of the ball. So I think both sides, it makes sense. And that's why I think both sides just need to correct this with one another. And I think they still will. Last question for our guest, Corbin Smith from Locked on Seahawks. Give him a follow on Twitter at Corbin Smith. NFL, if if somehow it just seems very unlikely that Russell Wilson has dealt from the Seattle Seahawks, how would you envision the organization approaching finding Wilson's successor? Would it be via free agency, the actual Wilson trade itself, or would they turn to the NFL draft like where they found Russell Wilson in the third round so many years ago? I think that they could, but man, what a gamble that that would be, though, because you and I both know picking a quarterback early in the draft is not guaranteed for success. We see a lot of top 10 picks at quarterback that really struggle in the league. And the chances of finding another Russell Wilson in the third round are very minimal. And so you really are taking a monumental risk there. You would have a lot of talent around whoever your new quarterback is, but I would think at Pete Carroll's age, being almost 70, he's not going to want to be involved in a rebuild. So I would think if they had to move Russell Wilson, that they would be bringing a quarterback back on the other side. And that's where the Raiders come into play. Uh, To me, the Raiders make the most sense of any of the teams that are being thrown out there that Wilson apparently will play for because Derek Carr only has a two and a half million dollar cap hit. And so Seattle could potentially unload Wilson and take on his salary and it would not impact their cap much more than it would just losing Wilson and Carr is a solid reliable starting quarterback he's not Russell Wilson but with the pieces they've got around the rest of the roster they could put around whatever their quarterback is the Seahawks could probably still remain very competitive in the NFC West with Derek Carr again I don't envision this happening but to me it would have to be a player like that if I'm running the show I want another established QB that I feel I can win with because the rest of the roster for the most part I think, is built to contend for a title. Tremendous insight. Corbin Smith locked on Seahawks. Listen to him on a daily basis wherever you find your podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. 
Corbin, thank you so much for your time, man. Thanks, Bo. Thanks for having me. Those rascals over at Built Bar, they've done it again. They've already been goaded, right? I mean, they're the best-tasting protein bar of all time. It's basically like chowing down on a candy bar, but it also has all the nutritional elements that you want from your protein bar. And they're just adding brand-new flavors like they couldn't get any better, but they continue to do so. They're the Tom Brady of protein bars. Coconut brownie chunk. Unbelievable. It tastes so good, you're like, there's no way this is this is good for me. But there's zero guilt attached to Built Bar. Check out this brand new flavor for them. Real cookie dough. Have you ordered your cookie dough bite? Have you ordered your cookie dough Built Bars yet? Get on it. Here's some quick nutritional facts for you because they're equally as healthy as they are delicious. They're low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and great for the keto diet. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20. One word, locked on two zero, and you'll get twenty percent off your next order. That's using the promo code locked on twenty for twenty percent off at builtbar.com. Which twenty twenty contender is going to go from the penthouse to the outhouse in twenty twenty one? I'll tell you my thoughts on that. It's coming up next. It's the Locked On NFL podcast. If you love the Locked On NFL podcast, you're going to love Peacock and Williamson. They're actually the former hosts of this podcast. Every Monday through Friday, Brian and Matt give their national perspective all around the NFL, covering the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the league. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday on Peacock and Williamson's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It was Peter Bukowski on Locked On Today who was doing an exercise where he was talking to hosts from teams that were 500 or sub-500 that could potentially make the jump from 2020 to 2021 from 500 or sub-500 to Super Bowl champions. You see the story all the time. You see a worst-to-first jump in the NFL. In 2019, it was the San Francisco 49ers going from a four-win team the previous season, picking second overall in the NFL draft, to taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl 54. So it's a trendy exercise to do the worst to first, the sub-500 from pretender to contender exercise. I wanted to do the opposite. Because just as often does a team make the leap, there are also several teams that fall from grace. Just last season, you had the Texans, Eagles, and Niners. 2019 playoff teams have the wheels fall off. The Niners, it was due mostly to injuries. The Texans and Eagles, both of them fired their head coaches. Their rosters took several steps back. In the Eagles' case, Carson Wentz played poorly, played himself out of Philadelphia. It happens just as often as teams going from worst to first, sub-500 to contenders. So who are the teams, and I want to do one from the NFC and I want to do one from the AFC before I get out of here, that were big-time players, had a ton of success in 2020, that are going to fall from grace in 2021. The first team I have going from the NFL penthouse to the NFL outhouse, and it's your AFC team, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. After starting 2020 11-0, Juju Smith-Schuster adorably dancing on opposing teams' logo for TikTok clout. The novelty wore off once the team went 1-4 down the stretch. The dancing soon became sad. It had lost its charm. 
Steelers had their doors blown off in the wild card round by division foe Cleveland, who is down several players and its head coach, Kevin Stefanski, due to COVID-19. Pittsburgh's nearly $20 million in salary cap debt, according to SpotTrack. The Steelers organization has set a deadline to restructure quarterback Ben Roethlisberger's deal, which would cost an absurd, like preposterous $41 million towards the cap, if not redone. And even if they do restructure Ben's deal, he turns 39 tomorrow. Happy birthday, Big Ben. Also, they're going to be without their nine-time Pro Bowl, two-time All-Pro center Marquise Pouncey, who retired this offseason. And let's keep in mind, this division is stacked. Baltimore and Lamar Jackson aren't going anywhere. Cleveland looked great in its first season under Stefanski. And the Cincinnati Bengals, sure, they went 4-11-1, but they're armed with Joe Burrow, who looked great before he bowed out in his rookie campaign with a knee injury, and they have draft capital free agent dollars to improve their roster. But as far as the Steelers are concerned, I don't know if the wheels fall completely off. Mike Tomlin has never endured a losing season since he took over the reins as the head coach in 2007. I mean, that's 14 seasons of eight wins or better every year. Incredible run for Tomlin. So to say he's going to be sub 500, just statistically, it's never happened. But I think this team takes a major step back The NFC was a little bit tougher to pick, and I think there are a pair of teams that made the postseason. They even won their division that I think could seriously take a step back from 2020 to 2021. But I'm going to say it's the New Orleans Saints. I think that they take a big step back because they're a billion dollars over the cap without a quarterback. We've heard it discussed at nauseum. The Saints are projected at over $75 million over the salary cap in 2021. And the reports are that the team is leaning towards Jameis Winston as Drew Brees' successor. And you can't sell me on Jameis Winston at starting quarterback. Mr. 30-30. A guy that Bruce Arians, the the quarterback whisperer, was just like, eh, we'll let him go. We'll, we'll roll the dice and see where we land as far as the Tom Brady sweepstakes last offseason. Even if you do have enough success to make it to the postseason and they have a balanced enough and talented enough roster to do so, it's not going to win the NFC South. To expect... Jameis Winston to pull off a Joe Flacco and play mistake-free football for four straight games in the postseason, it's unrealistic. I mean, Sean Payton went with Taysom Hill first. And then Hill, after a few starts, the league caught up, adjusted, and made him look like a pedestrian to below-average quarterback. The Saints are a team that a lot of people feel are just a quarterback away from being a legit Super Bowl contender. And I, and I believe that. I mean, they're 8-1 and without Drew Brees starting at quarterback over the last two seasons. But to not have that safety net, and they're going to lose more talent from that roster than just Breeze to try to get to where they need to with the cap. And even with their opponents that are locked in for 2021, favorable based on last season's results, their non-NFC South opponents like the NFC East, they're still going to be without a quarterback. Without getting consistent play from that position for a season's worth of time, That'll take enough toll where I think this team takes several steps backwards. They're non-quarterback stars who got paid and secured the bag like Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas the last couple seasons. They're going to have to step up, and even then so, is that going to be enough to be a legit contender? I considered Seattle here, depending on what happens with Russell Wilson, but even then... Their offensive line, their defense, it has to improve this offseason after an undefeated start. 
at 5-0. and They went 7-5 and down the stretch. And that's going to be a tough division. San Francisco is going to return a lot of players they lost due to injury last season. And the Rams just upgraded a quarterback with Matthew Stafford. And Arizona was 8-8. Eight and eight. Kyler Murray took a step forward. We'll see what they do this offseason. But Russ, Pete Carroll, since they joined forces in 2012, no less than nine wins each and every season. So it's tough to bet against them. Which team do you think is going to fall the hardest from 2020 to 2021? Let me know. Hit us up on Twitter at LockedOnNFLPods, at Bob Brack. Easiest way to find me, Bo Brock, B-O-B-R-A-C-K. Thank you so much for listening. I'm sure Ross Jackson, he's your daily host of the Locked On Saints. Maybe he'll have an answer for my pick of the team in the NFC, in the Saints, to fall the hardest. It's Ross and it's Lucas Braun tomorrow on the Locked On NFL podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your Monday.